Welcome to Keeping It Israel, brought to you by First Century Foundation. This weekly podcast explores how your Christian faith connects to Israel and why standing with Israel matters. Now here's your host, Executive Director of First Century Foundations, Jeff Feuders. Well, welcome to the Keeping It Israel podcast today. My name is Jeff and I'll be your host. And our topic today is occupied territories or heartland of the Bible. And my guest today is Sandra Oster-Barras. She's the director of CFOIC Heartland's Israel office. And CFOIC Heartland is the only Christian-focused organization to focus exclusively on the communities of the heartland of biblical Israel. Uh, Sandra is an Orthodox Jew. She lives in a small Sumerian town called Karne Shomron, an area in Israel that is often referred to as the Occupied Territories. Sandra, welcome to the podcast today. Thanks, Jeff. Great to be here. Well, we are excited to uh, be able to talk with you today and hopefully even meet you in December. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But uh, just first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, the world refers to the area where you live as, quote, occupied territories. Now, how did you come to live there? Why do you feel you have a right to live there? Just talk a little bit about some of that background. Okay, well, um, as you mentioned, I'm an Orthodox Jew, and that means that Judaism is very, very central to my life. and has been since I was a child. I grew up in, in an Orthodox Jewish family. I went to a Jewish school. I grew up in the United States, by the way, uh, but went to a Jewish school, and uh, I learned how to read Hebrew before I learned how to read English because it was very important for our teachers and okay. my parents that we could read the Bible in its original language. And so I started reading the Bible before I started reading any other book. So that, that gives you already a sense of, of where I'm coming from. So for me, my connection to the land of Israel, before I knew anything about Zionism or the modern history of Israel or anything like that, my connection was to the Bible, the story of Abraham coming into the land for the first time, uh, Genesis 12, God speaking to him as he first enters the land, promising the land to his children. That promise is made at the Oak of Moreh, right near the place of Shechem. Now, to me, I see myself as a daughter of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when God says to Abraham, I will give this land to your children. It was obvious to me, even as a young child, that that was me. And uh, I mean, not only me, but me. Mm. And uh, as I got older and learned more about the modern state of Israel, learned more about the idea of Aliyah, and that uh, the only thing you needed to do to come to Israel and like join where, you know, the history of the Jewish people was going and where God was leading us was to get on a, an airplane. Uh, and so I you know, wanted to make Aliyah, I wanted to move to Israel from a very young age. And um, as a young woman, I was married. I had two young children at the time. Um, my husband and I moved to Israel. Hmm. And I was particularly attracted to living in Judea and Samaria. Because again, if you look at the Bible and um, you start figuring out what are the places that, that where everything is happening, you know, where is that? Place that God first spoke to Abraham and promised the land. Well, that's in Samaria. It's it's a you know twenty minute drive uh, up the road from my house, or you know any of a number of places. If you think about Hebron, which has such importance in the Bible, um, all these places, Bethel, Bethel, where where Jacob 
went to sleep and had the dream of the angels going up and down uh, the ladder. Uh, so many places there in Judea and Samaria. It's clear, and it was clear to me from the beginning, that this is the biblical heartland. And I guess that's really um, one of the reasons I, I get so annoyed when I hear people talking about it as occupied territory, because occupied territory implies that I'm a foreigner, that I've come in as an outsider, and I've occupied a land that doesn't belong to me. And yet, there's no place anywhere in the world that is more central to me and to the idea of, of you know, Jews uh, belonging to the land of Israel. Of course, we belong to the entire land of Israel, but the place that is more central than that, than, you know, than any other part of Israel is Judea and Samaria. So it just seemed to all come together, and, and the fact mm -hmm. that there's so much resistance around the world to the idea of Jewish settlement in Judea and Samaria even pushed me further along to this, because I realized my presence is not just a statistic. My presence in the area can really make a difference. When I first moved to Judea and Samaria, there were about 80,000 Jews living throughout Judea and Samaria. And at that point, there was still a lot of question. Oh, you know, will these communities stay? Well, it's only 80,000 people. Not so easy to get rid of these people if we decided to give this land to the Arabs. Well, today we're half a million Jews living in Judea and Samaria. And it's quite clear for, to anyone that really thinks about it that, you know, we're here to stay. And every one of us who chose to, to live here has made that difference and pushed us towards this, you know, permanent presence that we are seeking. Well, that's an incredible background and I think helps people understand a lot more about where you're coming from. Now, talk a little bit more about the area where you live, Judea and Samaria. I won't use the other term anymore. Uh, I introduced it at the beginning because this is something that, uh, you know, the world refers to. And what we're trying to do today, I think, is is kind of help them to understand the, the difference between what Judea and Samaria, Judea and Samaria is all about, uh, as opposed to kind of that, that world outlook. But talk to us a little bit more about the area. What specific area is it that you're referring to? What are kind of the, the boundaries? Well, um, the truth of the matter is where I live, what we refer to as Judea and Samaria, what is often referred to as the West Bank, okay, um, is, is, is really the center, mm -hmm. center part of Israel. Um, north of us is the Galilee, okay. Jerusalem is kind of in the middle. Uh, Jerusalem, uh, part of Jerusalem was actually illegally occupied by Jordan, together with the rest of Judea and Samaria between 1948 and 1967. Uh, then the rest of Judea, going from Jerusalem and south, takes you almost as far as Beersheba. Uh, and it's the hill country. And this is an area that, uh, from Israel's War of Independence in 1948, when Israel was attacked and invaded by five Arab countries surrounding Israel, Israel fought, had, had just become a state, didn't even have an army. The, the stories of the battles of that time are just astounding. Um, we did manage to, to survive, but mm -hmm. we did not manage to hold on to Judea and Samaria. So this whole area, um, where on the eastern edge is bordered by the Jordan River, was, as I said, illegally occupied by Jordan. Uh, the only part of Israel that remained in Israel's hands in the center of the country was this narrow coastal strip. You know, Tel Aviv, 
and north and a bit south. Okay, this was Israel. So, in fact, at Israel's narrowest point along the coast, Israel was only nine miles wide. So, you know, Israel in itself is a tiny country. It's a particularly narrow country. And so much of what was Israel, um, what should have been Israel, was occupied by Jordan. So it really was an untenable position from a strategic, from a security position. And indeed, throughout that that period, that 19-year period, Jordan uh, was attacking Israel and there were terrorists that were illegally infiltrating Israel and wreaking havoc and killing people, etc. Uh, in 1967, Jordan attacked Israel from this area and it was then that Israel was able to liberate the area and bring it once more into the land of Israel. People refer to the area as separate. It's such an anachronism because if you go back 4,000 years till today, throughout this entire period of time, the only time in history that the area that we call Judea and Samaria was separate from the rest of Israel was for 19 years, from 1948 to 1967. Mm. And yet, the way the world refers to it is if it is an assumption that everybody should accept that this is uh, an area that should belong to the Arabs, should belong to the Palestinians. Um, and, and there just is no historical or legal basis for that for that understanding. And, and that's where I live. So I live in the northern part of that, in, in Samaria. Um, mm -hmm. But today, you know, as I mentioned, lots and lots of Jews live here. We have 150 communities ranging from a few large cities to some towns to very small little communities and everything in between. Wow. That's really, really helpful. And I think that uh, I had another question, but you've answered it while you were while you were speaking and explaining about the area. This idea that uh, where you're living is an occupied territory. Um, you know, I was going to ask, where does that idea come from? Well, it, it comes from uh, what happened in 1967. But, you know, the interesting part for me, and, and I know you fully understand this, but uh, the, the irony of the fact that Jordan attacked Israel and because, uh, you know, that that play ended up uh, not in Jordan's favor uh, because Israel ended up defeating uh, and, and uh, you know, winning that uh, that conflict. Now you were able to get, you know, Judea and Samaria, Samaria back. You were able to get Jerusalem and the and the Western Wall back um, for people to call this now an occupied territory just seems so flagrantly foul uh, to me, you know, uh, because. Um, you know, they they lost at something that that they were instigating, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, you can look at it from so many different yeah. angles. Like we talked about the biblical angle, we talked about the historical angle. Um, but if you look at it from a legal point of view, um, you know, when a side is the aggressor mm -hmm. in a war, uh, and they attack you from a given area, and then the other side, the side being attacked, not only defeats the enemy, but captures the area from which they were attacked. That is considered perfectly legitimate uh, and gives gives credence to the fact that right, right. the other side can keep that area. But if you add to that picture the fact that it is historically ours, it is biblically ours, it's an area that was never separated from the rest of Israel, I begin to question how anybody mm -hmm. could believe this idea that we are illegal occupiers in this area. No, totally, totally agree. And uh, it is a, you know, a volatile issue, one that, uh, you know, we even 
we even come across when dealing with other uh, Christian believers who, for whatever reason, you know, have uh, aligned themselves uh, almost against Zionism and talk about the fact that, you know, Israel has no... Uh, and this is a theological issue. This is not for you to sort of understand or figure out, but this idea of replacement theology, you know, that the church has replaced Israel. Um, by the way, not all of us believe that, just so you know. But it's really difficult sometimes having having these conversations with uh, with folks and and trying to help them understand. And so I think that's kind of what we're hoping to do today. Now, you know, to respond to that whole idea, um, you know, we won't sort of solve replacement theology in this conversation, but but tell us, tell our viewers, our listeners, what are the, the key and significant biblical events that took place in these areas of Judea and Samaria? You've already mentioned uh, just quickly a couple, but but talk to me a little bit about those. Okay, so I think, though, there's a couple, I, I would say as follows. First of all, before we get to the exact events, and, you know, I can just pull out some stories and say, well, remember this or that story, I think it's more important to think about the, the direction or the message of the Bible as a whole, okay? And if we start with Abraham, God selected Abraham for whatever reason, uh, but he clearly selected him, takes him out of Mesopotamia, where he is living his life and, you know, enjoying himself, and, and directs him to leave his family, his birthplace, his country, to go to a specific land. God says, go to the land that I will show you, Genesis 12. And it is only when he gets to the land of Israel, when he gets to the Oak of Moab, that God says, okay, you've arrived. Here you go. I'm going to give this land to your children. Now, in ongoing conversations, promises, covenants, that God it makes uh, and engages in with Abraham, then Isaac, and then Jacob repeatedly. The promise of the land of Israel is central. Okay? Now, at one point, God says to Abraham, you know, go forth, travel the length and breadth of this, of this land, for I will give it to your children. And if you follow where it is that Abraham travels, he, he, well, initially he, he ends up, he starts in Shechem. He travels south. The next area is Bethel, where he builds an altar. He ends up um, settling in Hebron. He also spends some time in Beersheba. He comes back to Hebron. Hebron was where he purchases the first piece of property to bury his wife, Sarah. And that is the Machpelah Cave, the tomb of the patriarchs, where later on, King Herod builds this enormous edifice. It's, by the way, the long, the oldest fully standing building in the world. Okay, this is a building that's still fully standing. You can come, you can see the wow. original Herodian structure, and, and that building is, you know, two and a half thousand years old. And, um, you know, so, so here you see not just particular incidents, but you see an, a, a pattern that is set by God, promises by God, activities by God's chosen people from the beginning of time until today treating this land as their own, living it, etc. Now, Joshua comes into the land for the first time. Where do they enter? They cross the Jordan. Everybody knows that. You know, the Jordan splits. They cross the Jordan. Where do they end up? They end up in Gilgal in the Jordan Valley. Okay, well, this also is a place where, you know, people say, oh, that's the occupied West Bank because the Jordan River today is a border between the state of Jordan and between Israel. And, and that place was once that same part of that area that was the West Bank, it was occupied uh, by Jordan. In fact, the reason the area is called the West Bank is because it's the West Bank of the Jordan River, 
Well, what is the West Bank of the Jordan River? The place where the children of Israel crossed under Joshua from the East Bank to the West Bank. So, you know, all of these sorts of things are, are just, you know, you just can continue and talk about them. The, the battle, the first battle is Jericho. Where is that? The second battle is the AI. That's also in Judea and Samaria. Um, the, the capitals, of course, Jerusalem. Uh, Shiloh, where the tabernacle stood. That was where, in, towards the end of the book of Joshua, uh, you know, we learned that the tabernacle came to rest uh, in Shiloh. It is there, and pay attention to this, it is in Shiloh that Joshua divides the land and sends the tribes out to go, you know, take possession of their land. And then Shiloh remains the capital of Israel for almost 400 years. Where is Shiloh? In Samaria. Um, you know, and I could go on and on, but I think it's not just about what happened in any given place, but the fact is just the natural presumption of the Bible is that this is not only part of Israel, it's the heart of Israel. I think that is so helpful. And, and as people listen, uh, you know, sometimes we can know this in our in our brains, but, uh, you know, not be able to visualize or, or picture it. And one of the most incredible experiences that I've been able to have is uh, about three years ago, uh, I was able to come into uh, into Judea and Samaria. We visited um, visited Nablus, uh, Mount Gerizim, um, uh, the well down in the church, right in the city, uh, Jacob's well, I believe, right? And, uh, and then we also were able to visit Shiloh, which for me was like mind blowing. I, I mean, you know, as Christians, we share belief in the same, the same God. Um, and what I, what I experienced there, you know, was the significance of, uh, the history and the the Old Testament or the the, the Hebrew Bible's story uh, about uh, you know the journey of the children of Israel, the Exodus, uh, the, the wilderness wandering, all of all of those things kind of comes and, and culminates in Shiloh. The, you know the period of the judges and and where uh, the the tabernacle stood, where the ark was. Being able to be there and um, you know talk to our friend Isaac who was with us uh, and have him share about you know, the, the specifics even of the measurements of that that plot of land where they believe that the, the tabernacle stood and how exact, you know, they are in their discovery uh, is just something that I think every um, every believer in God should experience, whether, you know, whether you're a follower of Judaism or, or a Christian, uh, you need to go and, and be a part of that. Uh, we're excited because we're hoping we can pull together enough people to uh, to visit Israel this December. We're we're planning to come December fifth to the fourteenth, and um, we've got a tour planned. And if you're watching, you're listening, uh, you need to go to our website, firstcenturyfoundations.com. You can click on tours and find out about all the information there. And uh, we're working with International Heritage Tours and Avi Esikov, and it's going to be an incredible experience. And one of the things that I'm excited about is that on the last day of the tour, we have a free day. And so you can, you know, you can go and shop in the markets in Jerusalem, or you can spend a little bit more money and have one of the most amazing experiences of your life. And we're going to go and visit Samaria. And Sandra is actually going to be with us if, uh, you know, this all comes together. She will help us and be our guide. Uh, Sandra, just tell people why it's so important, you know, as Christians for them to come and visit this place where you live. 
Well, first of all, I, you know, here I am. We're having a conversation. We're having a conversation. You know, we're we're sitting in our rooms, and 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 I'm trying to convey um, where something is. Now, you know, you could take out your map, your atlas, and you could mm-hmm. look it up. But what you really need to do is be there and stand on the place. And and I tell you, you know, I have taken so many groups. One of my favorite places, and the place that I will be taking your group, uh, is this amazing lookout point. Uh, in Samaria, standing on that point, you can see down into the Jordan Valley, Jordan River Valley, and you can see where the nation of Israel camped at the Gilgal. Then you can look on the other side, or you can look all the way up to the north, and you can see, you know, the Galilee. But much more immediate, you can see the Oak of Moreh, where God first spoke to Abraham. You can see Mount Gerizim and Mount Abel, where the nation of Israel stood after they entered the land and entered into Mm -hmm. a covenant with God as a nation for the first time in the land of Israel. And you see the road below, the road that Abraham would have journeyed as he was going to walk from Shechem down south. And you see that all from this place. And we pull out the Bible and we start studying and reading the different verses and we gain an understanding of how these verses come together in a way that is absolutely impossible if you're sitting in your room with a book, with a Bible, which is seeing the, the black, you know, the mm-hmm. black letters on, on the white page. Uh, even if you have a map next to you, it is not the same. And same goes, of course, what you experienced in Shiloh. There is nothing like being there to truly understand your Bible. So aside from it's always a great experience right. to go to a different country to meet people. And on that day, you will also be meeting people who, like me, have chosen to live in Judea and Samaria, have the opportunity to ask questions and get a sense of what our life was like. And that's also exciting, you know, to see people from a different culture and figure out what makes them tick. But, you know, as people who are faithful, you know, Christians and you are reading your Bible, don't miss this opportunity to enable that Bible to come alive. And you can only do that by actually being in Israel. Yeah, absolutely. I, I tell people all the time, it's it's hard to explain, but there there is some sort of spiritual connection that happens when walking on on the the topography of that land and and you know realizing uh, while you're there, you know that uh, somewhere here. Abraham stepped, you know, somewhere, somewhere here, Eli sat by the road when he got the the word about his sons somewhere here, the, you know, just over that, that little fence there, the, the Ark of the Covenant sat. And um, there really is nothing like it. And, uh, you know, whoever you are, whoever you're, you're, uh, or whatever you're, you're expecting when you come, I guarantee you that likely your moment won't happen where you think it might. Uh, we find that when we bring people to Israel and, you know, they experience all of the things that we that we do and, and visit, that every single person has a different experience, has a different moment when it sort of kind of hits them and, and overwhelms them. And, and so, uh, you know, if you're watching, if you're listening, you really need to come to Israel with me and, and with Bill Morrow and with Avi. We're going to have an amazing time together and uh, keep praying with us, you know, that all goes well, that the, uh, the protocols will remain in place so that we can go and uh, that everybody will, will come. Uh, you know, we, we guarantee you that uh, you'll be safe when you're there and it's just going to be an incredible time. So 
I'm excited. I, I really hope that, uh, you know, we even after today get people signing up and, and part of this experience. It's going to be a phenomenal time together. Uh, Sandra, is there anything more you want to share with us? I want to, I did want to ask you this. I wanted to say, you know, you're talking to predominantly a bunch of Christians today. So, so when we consider, uh, you know, what everyone else calls the occupied territories, what should, what should Christians call the area where you live? And, and why is, why is it important for us to sort of gain that understanding and, and use that kind of language? Well, um, the organization I represent and and am part of the leadership of, uh, Christian Friends of Israeli Communities, CFOIC Heartland, uh, is an organization that's dedicated itself to reaching out to Christians and enabling them to understand the truth about Israel's connection and uh, right to the land of Israel, and especially to Judea and Samaria. And so first of all, what words should you use, Judea and Samaria? Those are the biblical words, and those are the words that most accurately represent what this area is. But why is it important for Christians to understand this? First of all, I think it makes the Christians better Christians because it means that you can more accurately connect to the, the Bible and understand how the Bible connects to what's going on today in the world and particularly in Israel. The Bible, we all believe, we will all say the Bible's an eternal document. But if you can't understand how the Bible and the promises of the Bible relate to what we are seeing in Israel today, there's something missing in your understanding of the Bible. So this is important for Christians, but it's important for us as Jews, this um, amazing partnership that we have been involved with in creating uh, a partnership between Christians and Jews Uh, It is no secret there is growing anti-Semitism around the world today. There is growing anti-Israel sentiment, Mm -hmm. boycott movements, etc. And the people who are most, uh, who it's easiest for them to be on our side uh, are Christians because they do have that biblical connection. And we need your help. We need your alliances. And I would encourage you also to check out our website, cfoic.com. There's a wealth of information. If you want to delve deeper and have a better understanding of what modern Israel is today, what are the so-called settlements, and particularly, what what does the Bible have to say about all of this? We have a lot of Bible teachings on our website. So I would suggest you do that. We want your involvement. We need your involvement. Fantastic. Well, Sandra, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. And uh, this is our first time uh, meeting virtually, but I really do hope that uh, we'll be able to meet in person in December. And we're looking forward to uh, to that opportunity. And, you know, if not then, uh, another time. But uh, so great to have you on the show today. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Jeff. It's been a pleasure. Israel came out of Egypt. They came out as an army. But how much of it can be proven archaeologically? Available now from First Century Foundations, the powerful documentary series, Miraculous Victories of Israel. The enemies of Israel gives unequivocal proof of the actual events. See how God's promises to His people have helped them survive and conquer through perilous times from Abraham to today. Seemingly small against super big against all odds. It's miraculous that a nation can survive 2,000 years without a home under the worst conditions. To order your digital download or DVD copy, go to MiraculousVictories.com today.